This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is July 13th, 2022. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. I'm David Braverman. I was at WRHU from 1988 to 1991. With and a little what, bit in 92. Okay. What years, uh, I'm sorry, what shows and programs did you work on at the station? I started uh, with the classics from Hofstra um, and moved up to, I was briefly doing jazz before Rock Solid 88.7 hit in my uh, in 1990. And then I did mostly Rock Solid 88.7 and fill-in work wherever. But I had a I had at least one slot on classics for the at least for three years, including I did a um, uh, I did my own show on classics uh, because I was a music major, so I had that background in in history and in theory, and I could do um, I could do classical announcing a lot better than um, well, as some people would say, a lot better than any other announcing I did. So. <laughs> so so you did your own programming for that you chose your own records yeah um so this is i know you have other questions coming but i'll just i'll just set the scene um as a music major and as somebody who'd been interested in radio and i listened to classical radio and current radio growing up but like my mom would always be should always have wfmt chicago on the air and that's the the oldest classical station here so I started, I think I got the WFMT announcing audition back when I was in high school, which Mm. is still used because it's absolute murder. But I practiced with that and I I had already been studying music. Uh, I took AP, both AP music classes in high school and I was a music major and I wanted to be a music teacher. So the classics was an easy, an easy entree to the radio station. So, um, that I, I, the only thing about that was the 9am slot uh my first year that wasn't a problem because i first year music students had 8am classes regardless so i just found a classic slot when i was uh when i didn't have an 8am class but sophomore and junior year man that that 9am start was rough so um all, th- all the whole time that i was there we were in the basement of memorial hall and above the radio station directly above the radio station was bits and bites mm-hmm. um and they had an adequate breakfast. So as part of my show, when I was able to program it, I would start the show with a major work, a major orchestral or uh, a major choral work that was minimum of 45 minutes long, put the CD in, pit, announce it and, and hit play and then go get breakfast. Um, and uh, I think, I think, uh, Eileen Callies caught me coming back into master control once. And she gave me a look because we're not, of course, not supposed to leave master control unattended, but um, it was, it was just a way that I could get up at five minutes to nine, maybe six minutes to nine. So I lived in Alliance hall, run across the Unispan, run to Memorial hall and start the show right as good morning. Hofstra was ending, drop the CD in and boom. It was, <laughs> <laughs> I had that down to a science. That's, that's, that's quite a plan. And, and I think the, the kindest words ever spoken about bits and bites is that it was adequate. I mean, it was there, right. right? And it was directly above, I could get my caffeine. That's the, the new, the new kid on the block back then was Snapple was a relatively new brand. So I grabbed my Snapple iced tea. I'd grab something edible. I don't even remember what they had. I don't know if they had wasn't like the main calf where they had omelets. This was just, I think I got cereal 
and grabbed yeah. it and ran back down to master control. So, um, but uh, Rock Solid 887 was, was my favorite show uh, to do. And um, the, I think one of the best times that I had was the 1990 election. Um, yeah. So that was, um, it was me and master control uh, Dave Mock and, uh, and Jody Burns, Jody Bernstein, who went by DD Burns, doing the news, uh, doing the election updates, and we had people in the field. But since it ha- since it was during Rock Solid, I was uh, able to program fifteen minute blocks of music, whatever I wanted, and I held the fort and made sure that they were they got their cues and everything. It was a really fun show, and I have a I have a complete air check of that someplace. Oh, nice. That would be, that would be fantastic to hear one of these days. Um, just getting back to the, to the other shows, did you ever work on any of the, the public affairs programs or, or community volunteer shows? Oh God, I, I got sentenced to two weeks of out behind the barn because I was bad. Oh, and that was rough. Um, Sunday mornings. Yeah. Huh? Sunday mornings. I think it was. I think it was Sunday morning. Yeah. And he, and yeah. he as, as, Kraus said, I don't remember the name of the guy that did the show. Kraus said at one point, look, he's untrainable. You just have to deal with what he gives you. And what he would give you was an hour and 25 minutes on one reel and 35 minutes on the second reel. And he never, he, he just had no cues. He wrote nothing down. The only way that you knew that one reel was ending was that it just suddenly stopped. And, um, you know, you had to, you had to pot down the music at the top of the hour. Cause I had no idea what was on it. No idea when the songs were going to end. So you had to pot down and give the legal ID and pot it back up. And it was just excruciating. Cause I don't like that kind of music. So that is the, actually the only bad experience I ever had on the air there. So, um, although new age images comes close, but that was at least, you know, you could play whatever you wanted as long as it's from this, the new age catalog. Okay. I don't think people remember New Age Images. That was the program that preceded Rock Solid 88.7 in that slot. Um, yeah, I, I came in just a little bit after you or during your time there. And I remember being aware of New Age Images. And a number of people have, have talked about it. But uh, I believe the, the host of Out Behind the Barn would have been Irv Simner. Oh, God, yes. We did get Irv trained at one point to be a combo cleared engineer. It was, uh, uh, it was a task, but we got it, we got it done. We made it happen, but let's let's talk more about you. Uh, what positions and titles did you hold at the station? Um, briefly, I had the position called jazz director um, mm-hmm. because we had a jazz show, uh, and I learned a bit about jazz. Um, that jazz went. I think jazz went away at one point. I don't quite remember how that worked out, and uh, so I rolled off that position after my first semester sophomore year. And then the next, uh, I think I was three, three or four semesters chief announcer, mm-hmm. and that in that capacity, that's how I met you because you joined the station while I, when I was chief announcer. Um, you and Denise and Kathy Wurzberger, and I actually have the new staff announcement. I have a couple of them um, from 1990. So the two classes that I did in the first half of 19 fall 1990. I don't know if anybody remembers these names, Fred Berman, Ann Cocosa, Danielle DeLello, Ty Farrell, Denise Hanak, Adam Longsworth, Joanna Lovenstein, Niels Mirschert, Alan Montag, 
who I listened to, Justin Nadal, James Smith, Chris Swan, and Kathy Wurzberger. That was the first crop of announcers that I cleared back in October 1990. Hmm. And I think you were in the second half of that um, of that semester, so the which I wasn't able to locate. But um, that, yeah, that sounds right. And those names, about half of those names are familiar. I think about half of them stuck around. Oh yeah. Okay. So time. Here, here's the week after I have a copy of a note that I sent to Andrew Schmertz, who was PD at that time. Um, this is dated 26 October, 1990. Uh, and the 10 people who were cleared into announcing classes, Beth Carey, Mark Fawn, Fong, Marie Jimenez, Henry Johnson, John Beaker K, Drew mm-hmm. Posner, Steve Solomon, Joe Vigiani, Janine Verzera, and Benson, Benson Honeydew. I believe that's you. I believe I put you down as Benson Honeydew. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I have to ask why. I don't remember, man. That was 32 years ago. <laughs> okay, well. Um... So you had obviously been, been doing something. You may have taken engineering first, or you may have been working in another area or doing sports or something. You, we knew you in, uh, in Memorial Hall. Um. So that was, I'm sure that's what happened there. Um, but that, that's the only thing that makes sense. I could not find you in, in some of these notes that I had. Um, so th- yeah, other than Bunsen Honeydew, I think that's you. Okay. Um, Cause well, we had Beaker. Remember we had John Beaker K. We did have Beaker. We, we had Beaker. Have Beaker and, and, yeah. And uh, I, I know I wasn't all that excited about being on the air. I know I took the announcing class with those guys. Um, I was more interested in, in behind the scenes. I know I was engineering cleared first. Mm-hmm. So that's and, probably and, why you were the, yeah. Yeah. And, and I may not have, uh, I, I also had a really unfortunate Long Island accent. I used to deliver newspapers after school. So it probably yeah. took me some time to work through that. You used but, to deliver newspapers after school? Yeah. Yeah. I get them no my kidding. Bike you're, you're from yeah. Long Island. That's uh, right across town. Yeah. No one would ever know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. So, um, so chief announcer, uh, jazz director, those were your positions during your time. Um, if we could, I'd like to get back to what first brought you to the station, because a lot of people that I interview or have interviewed so far were people from Long Island or the tri-state area, but you're coming from Chicago and it seems like you had interest in radio and music. What brought you to Hofstra and specifically what brought you to the station? Well, you know, I was an exchange student, um, Illinois being a foreign country to Long Island <laughs> at that point. Um, Hofstra made, I don't know exactly what first got me interested in Hofstra, but it might have been Bill Cosby. Because um, <laughs> he did a skit back in the early 60s uh, right. about his time at Temple again, playing against Hofstra. And he described them as being, being these enormous people with one eye in the center of their foreheads that were like tanks. Um, and I was there toward, I mean, they don't have a football team anymore. Hofstra. No, no. I was there when we, we kind of were like, Oh, right. We do have a football team. Um, I was there also when the jets were working out at Hofstra, but uh, moving on from that. Um, so I wanted to be in New York or near New York. And I, um, one of my parents lived in LA at the time of a, uh, my mom, my dad lived in LA. My d- mom lived here in Chicago and I kind of wanted to be at least a thousand miles from both of them. Hmm. And I didn't want to go to Denver, which is the other option. Um, 
wanted to be in New York, always loved New York. Uh, and Hofstra and I just clicked. I liked, um, I liked the, the music professors that I met. I had an interest in being on radio from high school. I was on high school radio at WMWA here in Chicago. And I uh, did a couple of cameos at WNUR, which is Northwestern University Radio, because um, I had a friend there who's uh, on the air. Um, so I'd help her with records and, you know, doing uh, traffic and, and such. So I already had some interest in it. Um, and, uh, you know, at the, at the activities fair before my first year actually started during the teacher strike in 1988, that was a perfect time to get into the station and get on the air and, and classics was, you know, nobody wanted to do classics. I'm like, I will take a full four hour classic slot. Uh, and that's, that's, that was a great way of getting on, on the air. So, uh, you know, and, and again, I, I had, you're listening to the classics from Hofstra on WRHU, Radio Hofstra University. I mean, it was, you know, you could do a classics delivery and pr- <laughs> pronouncing as a music major, as a singer, I had already been studying German, Italian, Spanish, French, because you need that as a singer. So all of the names and, and orchestras and performers and, it was just, I had already had that background. So that was, that was just an easy way in. And then I met other, met everybody and, and realized these are my kinds of weirdos. Uh, and just started taking more responsibility and more slots. And, you know, that's, uh, WRHU was a great place. If you were motivated to, to do stuff, there was a lot to do uh, and a lot to learn. And I just loved every minute of it, except out behind the barn. I did not love those minutes. Well, the, the, those were days to come, I, I, I suppose. But when, so you had experience uh, doing radio from high school and, and your music background. When you first got to the station, did you have to take engineering and announcing classes? And do you remember anything about that? Oh, yeah. Um, I took announcing from Eliana Basla. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was... Oh, God, I can't remember his name. Uh, Oh, Joe Cusimano was my engineering instructor. And that was, those are both first semester, first year. Uh, so it was fall of 88. Um, and at the time I was also working on the exciting uh, Michael Dukakis presidential campaign with the Young Democrats and the uh, Nassau County Democratic Party, which at that time lived in a small one-room office above a car dealership on, uh, on 25. Um, that was... So there was a lot going on that, that semester, but, um, mm-hmm. uh, yes, I took the, 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 I can't remember who was running classics at the time, but he put me on the air right away as, as, a um, as a dual, like if you remember, you could wait before your combo cleared, you had an engineer, you sat in the announcing booth. Um, they got me combo cleared really fast. Um, I already had an FCC license, which helped because I had that from high school. I don't think you need one anymore, but back then you had to get a license from the FCC. It cost like $5. And, um, I still have it someplace. Hmm. Um, but just being motivated to do a classic slot and a full four hour classic slot, that was an easy way in. Do you remember your first time getting on the air at WRHU? I don't actually, I have, I don't remember that. I remember what it looked like. I remember being the announcing booth facing the uh, master control. Mm -hmm. Um, At the time, 
it was this was on the south end of Memorial Hall. There were four rooms that all had big windows facing each other. It was two track, four track, uh, announcing booth and master control, and that's sort of going in clockwise from the northwest corner. Uh, two track opened up into uh, a classroom, which is where people had announcing classes. Four track had a separate door from that classroom. Um, and the announcing booth and master control opened out into the hallway and the stairwell on the south side of Memorial. Um, and wow, it was, it was, I mean, it was dingy. Mm. Um, <laughs> so I, when I visited a few years later and everybody had moved to Dempster, it was just like, oh my God, why couldn't we have had this? Um, but, you know, we also had to cut tape with uh, actual tape and razor blades and, uh, and figure out which end was which and <laughs> right. the, the, the shift in technology was right after I graduated. So, right. And I got to experience that shift in technology at the newspaper before the radio station flipped. So the newspaper went f- fully digital in 1990 in spring semester. Uh, and I was, I had a column at that point. But the radio station, for some reason, I think it was 94, 95. It was after, after I left and after Krauss was gone. Yeah, with the new facilities, uh, again, they're 30 years yeah. old. But the, the, the newer facilities, that's, that's where uh, the new technology went that, that sort of uh, waited for us to leave. And then uh, a new crop of students got to come in and enjoy that. I'm curious, how did Hofstra's radio station equipment compare to what you saw at high school? Oh God, it was state of the art. I mean, yeah. high school, my high school radio station, it wasn't my high schools alone. We shared it with the neighboring high school and we shared it with a church. Okay. So the, I think the church held the license. So the transmitter license. So like Glenbrook North, which is where I went, uh, made famous in Ferris Bueller. Uh, actually Glenbrook North is where John Hughes went. Okay. So we had two days, two nights a week and Glenbrook South had two nights a week and the rest of it was church. And I think it was like a limited hours license. So it was like, I would help out with a slot once a week. Cause that was, and it was like seven to nine or something like that. But it was just this old, old little room with this old board with rotary pots. Like we had in two track. Mm-hmm. Um, actually like we had in master control my first year Master Control got its slide pot board in 1989 or mm-hmm. yeah, 1989. So all the equipment that you trained on was brand new in Master. That was, whoa. I mean, wow. Slide pots. <laughs> we had two CD players when you were there. Yeah. But we, we were still how making, good we had it. Oh man. Well, we were still doing a lot of stuff on, on eight on carts, you know, yeah. uh, quarter inch tape in a, in a continuous loop, you had 30 second carts, you had uh, 60 second carts, two minute carts. A lot of the songs for rock solid were on carts. So um, that was, that, that's trippy. Um, and after, after Hofstra, I actually, I went to law school here in Chicago uh, and the law school is directly across the street from Loyola University Radio. So I, I finagled my way into a Saturday night slot there uh, doing alternative which was, uh, so I stayed on the air until uh, 95, I think, which is a lot longer than I, uh, than I expected. Mm. It was just a really fun time in my life. And the group, wow, we had, my first year, we had uh, 
Oh, why am I forgetting his name? Well, Jason Levy is program director my mm-hmm. first year. Second year, sophomore year, we had Andrew Schmertz as program director and Eileen DeCallis as station manager. Um, my contemporaries there, you know, Renee DePew, uh, who I, I absolutely adore, and we just hit it off immediately. Um, then your crop came in, Denise Hanak is, is one of my favorite people on earth. Um, and it's just so just thinking back to those, um, and the quotes, I don't know if we still were doing quotes. I know when you were your first year in 1990, we, Jeff Krause was still building his sculpture above his yes. desk where mm-hmm. every, every day he would have a sandwich and there'd be a little toothpick with a cellophane flag on the end of it. And he'd take his straw and fire it right into the roof. Uh, I hope somebody preserved that um, after someone, he was gone. Someone did take that when when we moved to the new facility, but I don't know where it went. I my money is on Sue Zizza, but I'm not sure. She I'm would be sure. the logical person, yeah. yeah. And Stu was there, obviously. Um, and we had Dave Mock as news director, uh, but I'll just relate one of the absolute funniest things that ever happened. Um, and I don't, I don't. I, I absolutely adored Eileen DeCallis when she was my station manager, even though we kept butting heads. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we had, I think, the most hilarious interchange. I remember it 30 years later. We're a whole bunch of people in the main office. Krauss was there. Most of the staff was there. It was like right after a staff meeting. And out of nowhere, Eileen just asks me, she said, David, do you like little schoolboys? And I said, no, Eileen, I like adult women. And she, she, she meant the cookies. <laughs> she had a box of little schoolboy cookies, but that was one of, that was the kind of quote that we would put up on the wall. We had hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. Because of course in, in radio, people are verbal and they're playful and they're college students. So there's a little, and college students in New York. So there's a little streak of nastiness. And uh, it was, um, I don't think that uh, that show could get made today, if you know what I mean. It's like we look back wistfully on Blazing Saddles going, hmm, no, no, nobody's making that in, in 2022. But, um, yeah, it was uh, it just – it was so much fun to to do that. Oh, I remember. I went from uh, – I did traffic for a while. Right. Another okay. thing that I did, when Eileen was station manager, she put me on traffic because nobody else wanted it. And I, I was fine at it. So um, I also rewrote with Jeff Krause, we, we revised and came up with a new edition of the announcing manual in the spring of 2000, um, spring of 1991. And I still have that. And that's where you get all of those announcing exercises that everybody loved, like the Oslis Thistle, the successful Thistle Sifter and uh, uh, Annabelle Lee and, uh, and all of that. It was, I still have a copy of that. With his name mm. on it. Never got it autographed, though. I feel bad about that. You probably figured you'd have time for that later on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so going back to that, that you make the move from Chicago and you come to Long Island and you're joining the radio station. At that moment, as a freshman, without the benefit of hindsight, what, what did you hope WRHU would, would mean for you? in those early days. Oh man, I, I, I was an 18 year old boy. I had no thoughts about what meaning was. I just wanted to do it. It just seemed fun. 
Meaning came later. I had to take several philosophy classes for that. Um, <laughs> and in all seriousness, I just I just thought it would be fun. I was new and optimistic as first year students are, and I just wanted to meet a bunch of people. Um, and RHU is uh, welcoming, and I, I could do stuff right away and make myself useful and and get on the air. And it's just it was fun. It was skills to learn. And again, as a music major, doing a classical show jibed with what I was studying. So that that uh, that actually gave me points in, in the music department as well. Uh, I ultimately did take COM 21 because I wanted to round out my skills. So uh, that, that was sophomore year. But yeah, just getting on the classics and doing fill-in slots once I got combo cleared, it was just, hey, I'm, I'm doing something useful. Hmm. Dave, this has been a lot of fun, and and I really appreciate uh, your stories and taking the time. And um, maybe maybe we can we can solve the the riddle of Bunsen honeydew at some point. I don't know what that's about. I know it took a while for me to get cleared for the air, but that's probably a story for another time. Let's do this again someday. <laughs> I think it's just because John Kay was called Beaker, and you happened to get the short straw. I think that's really all that happened there. Lucky, lucky me. That's it's just another <laughs> nickname to add to the roster. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Well, thank you, Brian. It's this has been fun, and uh, I'll be happy to follow up anytime.